It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The moderator of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland has urged young people to read a new book on the Troubles to prevent a return to the dark days. I want to speak to one of the Presbyterian ministers who's associated with the book, the Reverend Terry Lafferty. Reverend Lafferty, good morning. Hiya, how are you, Frank? I'm very, very well indeed. Considering Grace... Presbyterians and the Troubles, the name of the the book. What have you set out to achieve with this book? Well, I suppose, Frank, it's just a, a it was a project that was started three years ago, really, uh, with a view to trying to have, uh, have as much of a pastoral understanding of what people have gone through over all the years, um, so that as a church, as individuals, as ministers, uh, we can understand each other and try and help each other along the way. And I suppose the more we understand of our own pain, the more we can share then uh, in the pain of others. And, and that's very much a part of the calling that every one of those Christians has. So, uh, yeah, I think it's very significant. When people read it, will they be asked to pass judgment on the stories that are in the book? I don't think so, Frank. I mean, I think that the the, the key to this is that it's just ordinary people from, from all walks of life. I mean, there are some people who, like ministers like myself, but I mean, there have been people who have been involved in paramilitary activity in the past, and uh, there have been peacemakers, politicians, I mean, shopkeepers, ordinary, you know, out from right across the divide, people who just happen to be Presbyterians um, and who were asked to, if they'd be willing to share their journey in relation to uh, the trauma that they experienced um, during the Troubles. And so, uh, that being so, I mean, it's, it's a real heart-rending thing, um, I mean, to be honest, it broke my heart yesterday. I went to the launch yesterday in Belfast and, and I was wrecked the rest of the day. Um, I don't know if you know my situation, but uh, I was one of seven children and uh, my father died when I was four and my mother was left with seven to raise. And then uh, my brother, who, who was only 18 years old, who was one of the youngest RUC officers to be uh, killed in the Troubles, he left a job in Monsanto and Coleraine because his uh, mantra was that policeman was written across his chest because he just wanted to help people, you know, and sadly he was gunned down and on the Antrim Road, you know, for trying to help people. He was just um, 18, so your, 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 brother, your brother Robert, Terry. So, so you, yeah. you, you've lived with the understanding of being a, a, what is the clear definition of, of a victim through the Troubles. Yeah. Although, thank God, Frank, and I suppose this is part of the, part of the rationale behind the book, um, is to help people to see that though we begin as victims and though life can treat us very sorely, um, that we don't have to live the rest of our days as victims. And I suppose that's the, the message of hope that comes out of this book. 
um, is that God, because he made us and knows us like no other, I mean, he can make a difference. And, you know, the stories of Jesus show how pastorally concerned he was that he wept at the graveside of his friend. You know, and so we have a God who understands, and yet a God who has power, supernatural power, uh, to transform the traumas that we go through. So that, thank God, I mean, I, not just I, but uh, the rest of my siblings as well, the six surviving brothers and sisters, all of us uh, would say that we're not victims in that sense, that we are victors because of the grace that Jesus has given to us. And so that's why uh, the the phrase consider a grace uh, comes out of the story that I wrote. And I mean, I'm very humbled by that. And even the very picture, Frank, I don't know if you have the book in front of you, but uh, the, the, the front cover of the book is a picture um, uh, looking from away round where Marconi's cottage is in Ballycastle, if anybody knows that place, uh, away towards uh, Sheep Island, away at the far side where Ballycastle is. And that's the very place that I went to as a 15 and a half year old boy where I was just in absolute agony of heart and spirit. And I took off on my bike with a wee uh, New Testament with Psalms in the back of it. And I read those Psalms. And to be honest, they made me mad, Frank. You know, some of the things I read in the Bible really made me cross. And I shouted my head off at God uh, when I was around there. And yet the glory of of the front cover is that it shows this glorious silver lining on the cloud, you know, um, that shows that, yes, darkness is very real. But the amazing thing that we learn from our our life experience is that whenever you turn the switch on when you go into the house at night, the light conquers the darkness. And so it is in the spiritual world and the emotional world. Um, and so that's really what we're seeking to, to communicate. Although, you know, the thing about the book, and I really would encourage people to read it, the thing about this book is, it, it, you know, there there have been there there hasn't been any smoothing over the cracks in this. In fact, Tony Davison yesterday spoke about the fact that all of us have cracks, and I mean some of the stories are agonising stories about people who have never been able to move on. Uh, there are some people who've left the Presbyterian Church because they felt they didn't get enough support at that time, and following the, their their trauma. And so, you know, we have to admit that we we get things wrong, um, but by the grace of God, we seek to learn and grow. And so. I suppose that's what the book is about, about encouraging people to listen to each other and to learn from each other's stories and to lament because it's horrific. I mean, and even what we've heard this morning about that whole Quinn saga and what that poor man went through, we need to lament about such situations. But the glory of the gospel is that it enables us to look up so that we can look forward. And that's really what people are wanting, to be able to look forward and leave that past behind and learn and grow and just be the happy people in this land that we know that we are. Well, it certainly, are it, certainly, it certainly would be great if people could take that uh, from the book. But some, some of the stories will be, will be, as you say, hard to read. Reverend David Couples uh, t- uh, talking Very about harrowing. the uh, Remembrance Day and, and Enna Skillen and his experiences uh, there are many, many other other stories. The, 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 yeah. I, I can't help but think of the Reverend David Latimer and where he is on his journey. How does that marry with what's in this book from Pres- Presbyterians? The Reverend David Latimer, very high profile friendship with the late yeah. Martin Martin well, McGuinness. I, mean, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't really speak for for David, but I mean. Uh, you know, all of us have to, to recognize an important thing, that we're all on a journey. Every one of us are on a journey. And I mean, as we look throughout history, we see how many people who were involved in awful things uh, were gloriously changed as they, uh, as they listened and as they learned and as they lamented about the past, as I say. 
And as they understood that there's a different way to go, a better way, a way which in the end of the day isn't going to destroy, but is going to build, is going to bring blessing, um, is going to bring joy and happiness as opposed to pain um, and, and division. And sadly, I mean, we have known about that for too long. And I suppose my, my uh, well, uh, delight's the wrong word, but I'm pleased that this book has come out at this time because... I mean, to be honest, Frank, I have been anxious about some of the broadcasts that there have been on TV recently about the Troubles, and I'm conscious of 50th anniversaries coming up for many people. And, I mean, for us too, you know, as a family, and, I mean, it is heart-rending. It's heart-rending. And we can't get away from that, and we'll never, ever forget. And, I mean, I wept my whole way home yesterday um, from Belfast. It's terrible. You know, an 18-year-old boy. Every wedding I conduct, I weep, you know, because I think, what would his wife have looked like? What would his kids have looked like? You know, my wee granddaughter's down below crawling about the floor. What would his grandkids have looked like? And there's so many people in this country from all across uh, the community, Protestant and Catholic and people of no faith at all, whose hearts are broken today, who are asking the same questions as me. What would my, what would my brother or sister, what would their... Uh, you know, wife or husband or children or grandchildren, what would they have looked like? You know, there's just so much pain. So I take take from what you're saying, Reverend Lafferty, that, you know, you suffered as a 15-year-old. You you described so eloquently there cycling along the North Coast and being angry almost at the Bible because uh, your brother, 18, heroic young man to you, someone you looked up to, uh, shot shot dead, carrying out his his civic duty. And you... you, you, But but, but, but just just let me me, me put... Let me put... Let me me put this to you because I want to get... I want to get an, an understanding of where people of your age are are today. There's a vital message within this book that young people who may be drawn back onto the streets, who may be drawn back into organisations, who may be about to take steps at a critical time in our political future, to read this book and never do what was done in the past. And Spotlight and Frontline and other programmes have highlighted that very recently on TV. It was despicable what was done, including the murder of your 18-year-old brother. And yet, yet on the journey, I, I mentioned the Reverend David Latimer, who to, to, to many people admire him, other people, other people criticise him. I can't help but take from what you're saying that you couldn't have crossed the path of someone like Martin McGuinness. Oh, no, 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 no. No, please don't take that at all. No, because, I mean, the reality for me, Frank, is that God has brought lots of people to me uh, on my journey of life. Um, And so, yeah, I have met people who were involved in what they called the armed struggle uh, from the other side. I mean, like, for example, a wee man that I met in Donegal, when I was there with my wife uh, on a group on deal and, and uh, I just happened to go to this little community centre that I'd taken a group from church to um, with a group of Roman Catholics from Port Stewart here. We had a lovely day in Donegal and I wanted my wife to see it because she wasn't able to go and so I was showing her this facility that had been built up by the, lo- the folk in the local community. Fantastic place. And uh, so we went out for a walk around the garden and up into a greenhouse and this wee man was standing in his own and he was crying and I, I said, what's wrong? And he said, oh, my wife's not very well. And I said, well, uh, I said, listen, I'm, a, I'm a, a minister and I would love to pray for you and for your wife. And he says, well, you can pray for my wife. Please do. He says, but don't pray for me. 
And I said, why not? And then he told me about his involvement um, with, with paramilitary activity in the past. With Republican paramilitary activity? Republican paramilitary activity. He told me why he was involved in it. Um, and whilst I will not justify in any way involvement in anything violent at all, I mean, I, I listened to the man's story and tried to understand. But what was standing before me was a little man in his 70s who was absolutely broken, whose wife was dying. And I mean, so, I mean, for me, Jesus came alongside all kinds of people. And so I said, look, I would love to pray for you, to pray for God's grace for you, because the only thing that has stopped me from being involved in, in violent activity is the grace of God. And so I just pray that somehow uh, that you might have it. And so, I mean, it, it, you could see the pain in his face, Frank, as I was praying for him, because his own heart was broken, and clearly he had the remorse in his heart in relation to the things that he'd been involved with in the past. Is that what makes but it different? But, but, but Terry, is, is that what makes it different, that, that guy having remorse? Because I, I can't help but think from analysing, from studying, from interviewing, from reading, that the people who shot your 18-year-old brother in 1972, yeah. they don't have remorse for doing it. So the, the guy who pulled the trigger that day is, is most likely a very elderly person now if, he's still, if he is still alive. But he is not yeah. sorry for what he did. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, Frank, I, I can't, I can't allow that to dictate the, the the direction of my life. I mean, for me, forgiveness is all about freedom. I learned this uh, about uh, four or five years after uh, we'd had we'd suffered that terrible trauma. Um, I, I went to hear a, a, a very eminent speaker about this subject, and he was speaking about the Lord's Prayer that we all know so well. You know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And he made it clear whenever, whenever he was speaking about it that forgiveness is all about freedom. And so he says, as long as you can't forgive someone, they have a hold over you. They have a control over you. And that was the case with me in relation to Ian Paisley, the one whom I dumped all of my anger on um, at that time as a teenage boy. Every time I heard him on the radio, I became angry. I started tooting the horn at people, you know. I, I, I suffered road rage, you know. And in those days, I swore like a trooper. And if anybody mentioned his name, I would say, don't you dare speak to me about that man, you know, because anger just entered into me, you know. But you see, when I forgave him, and it was a journey I had to go on to forgive him, but when I forgave him, no longer did I have those experiences. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It comes across in the book. Yeah, it comes across in the book that Ian Paisley was seen as someone to be feared by Presbyterians, and Presbyterians did not speak out enough to develop peace because they feared the backlash from from Ian Paisley. Well, again, Frank, it's difficult for me to speak about that because I was a 15-and-a-half-year-old boy. So, I mean, I wasn't involved in the leadership of the church at that time. Um, but the difficulty that you need to understand, that I mean, for example, um, in the week that my brother was killed in 1972, there were four police funerals in that one week. 
four police funerals in one week in, a, in beautiful July weather. The morning that I w- was wakened by my sister with tear stains on her face to tell me that my brother was dead, the sun was splitting the trees. It was a beautiful day. And the day of the of the funeral, I mean, the, the, the people from all around lined the streets from where we lived in a wee place called Allenvale Park all the way, a good nearly two miles away up to the church. The street was lined on every side. The shops were closed. They made a predominantly Catholic town, but people loved us and we loved them and still do, you know, because we 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 had no concerns about any of this these things that the fighting was for, about, you know. And so the sad thing, Frank, is that I mean, ministers at that time. I mean, even me, you know, who I, I went into college in 1991, I didn't receive any training in, in relation to what would you do if a bomb went off, and yet ministers were living with that day and daily. You'll read their stories in the book. You know, and so yeah, it's easy to look back and to to judge and to say, well, you could have done better. Well, all of us could have done better about every aspect of our life and, and the relationships that we've had with others. Oh, oh, but the important oh, thing, I think, yeah. the, the the reason for this book, I suppose, in some ways, is to recognise that and to say, look, let's just hear where people are and what people's perspectives are, and let's see what we can learn, and let's let's try and understand each other and let's see if somehow we can help each other to move on and to do things better in the future um, because that's really the most important thing and my concern about the, about that young constituency that you're talking about uh, the ones who are in danger of, of being recruited my concern about them Frank is that unfortunately I don't think they will read this book and that's why the church uh, is, is creating resources discussion resources that will follow on from this to try and, and provide uh, opportunities for people of all ages to sit down and to discuss these things and, you know, to look at some of the stories and to say, well, try and put yourself in there. I mean, how would you feel if that happened? And why do you think that happened? And what was going on in society at that time? And, you know, to try and understand because, I mean, we will never change unless we gain understanding. And that's why it's so important to listen to people. Like, I listened to that wee man who was standing crying in Donegal. A wee man I've never met before, and I'll probably never meet again, Frank. But the important thing in the moment is that I saw a man who was broken. And I saw that there was an opportunity for me to pray for him and for his wee wife. Well, can, I ask you, can I ask you one, one, one final question? Because I am out of time, but sure. listening to, listening to the, that voice of reconciliation that, that you have is, is inspirational. And, yeah. and I, I think a lot of people will be, will be taking benefit from it. But I, I, I'm still drawn back to your brother and him being 18 yeah. and him being murdered. I, and I... I I'm trying to put myself in the position of someone like you who is a, a victim of the troubles. You say a victor, but you, you suffered, you yeah. suffered. And I I'm thankfully, and of course you still do, and I, I thankfully went through my entire life in the troubles in Northern Ireland without losing a loved one. I, I lost people who I knew, but I didn't lose yeah. people who were of my own blood. I, I You're a minister and you're a minister now in 2019 and the troubles are well over and we're slightly concerned that they might revisit us and we hope that they won't. But you've described that man, that broken man, that broken Republican who you prayed with in in Donegal. 
could you, and I hope this isn't too hard, hard a question to ask, but because you're so eloquent, because you're a minister, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask it. Could you, if you discovered who the person was that killed your brother, could you pray with that person, talk to that person, shake the hand of that person? Well, Frank, I've, I've asked myself that question many, many times, as I'm sure everyone who has, has suffered in the troubles uh, has done. Um, but I believe that God has given me the grace to be able to forgive whoever that is. Why? Because, uh, as I said to you, the important thing is that, that forgiveness is about my freedom. You see, so as long as I, as I maintain any bitterness in relation to them, I cannot be free for myself. But yeah, I mean, if I was put in a room with that man, would I catch him by the throat? Uh, would would I give him a shake and then say, why did you do it? Do you not realize what you've done? Do you not realize what you did to my poor mother, you know, who'd lost her husband and now had lost her son? And, uh, you know, do you not realize what, what you were doing at that time? Yeah, maybe maybe I would I would do something like that. But I know in my heart that my biggest concern would be for their spiritual future. Because in the end of the day, that's the thing that matters, Frank. It's not how we begin life. It's how we end that matters. And so we need to be ready to meet our maker, the one who ultimately we all must face. Mm -hmm. And so that being so, I, I want to open, I want to provide an opportunity to talk with people about my journey and to hear people in relation to their journey and why they did what they did. And I've done this many times. And yes, you're right, I have spoken to many uh, people who are active Republicans um, and there's no remorse in them. And I mean, it does make me very angry and they know that. Um, but at the same time, it was good for me to listen to them because without listening to them, I didn't have an opportunity to speak to them to say to them, look, uh, one particular man who said my brother was, was a representative of the, of the British state, I said, excuse me, I want you now to go to Ballycastle where I grew up. I challenge you, go to Ballycastle and go and ask them, do you know the name Laverty? Do you know any family called Laverty? Do you know about a fellow who was shot dead? Can you tell me about him? Because the people of Ballycastle, all of the people of Ballycastle will testify to the fact that my family weren't political that we weren't unionist or Republican or any other thing. We just loved life. We loved God. We love each other. You know, we were good neighbours to each other. We, I had a brilliant upbringing in Ballycastle until the bomb went off at the Marine Hotel, and I had to raise the alarm where a young lassie ran out in hysterics. I was working for the council at the time. A beautiful sunny day. A wee girl in a nightie runs out in hysterics out of the Marine Hotel saying, a man with a mask and a gun said, there's a bomb here. And I had to run to a telephone box because there were no mobile phones in those days to, to get the police. And the police said, go down and get the people out of the houses and, you know, try and get the people out of the hotel. So I had to run back there, you know. And uh, there was a man, uh, it was a Roman Catholic man who was alongside me uh, whenever we were trying to sort out and help the people who were in the Marine Hotel, trying to tell the people in the dining room to lift chairs and throw them, break the window to get out. And bang, the, the, the bomb went off. And huge, big windows in the Marine Hotel, the huge, big window. Uh, I ducked, and, and Alec McVeigh, the other man who was with me, ducked. We both ducked instinctively, and the glass all went over our heads. And there wasn't a mark on me, Frank, not one mark. But that place was destroyed. So, I mean, it was awful, 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 awful. So, yeah, look, we all need to consider grace because the point is we don't have the resources, Frank. 
we don't have the human, uh, humanly, we do not have the resources to deal with these deep, deep, deep hurts that are in people's hearts. It's an amazing commentary. It really is, uh, Reverend uh, Terry, Reverend Terry uh, Laverty. I uh, do appreciate your input to the programme this morning. The, the book is available. It's called Considering Grace, Presbyterians and the Troubles. And Terry and others within the church would like young people to read it so as we never revisit what us older ones have been through in what's commonly referred to as the Troubles. Uh, Reverend Terry, thank you. Thank you very, very much indeed. And maybe it's been an inspiration to people who can't live up to the the Lord's Prayer. You know that line in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, it's, It's a shallow line when you lose a family member to someone who's killed them. It must be very very difficult to accept that. Um, Terry, thank you.